Hello and welcome to another episode in the Creating Customer Success podcast series. My name is Dan and I'm your host. And my name is Alex and I'm your co-host. In this series, we are interviewing customer success leaders to learn how to build and run the best CS teams. We hope you enjoy listening. Um, well, yeah, thank you very much for joining us today. Delighted to have you on as a guest. Um, just to kick things off, it would be great if you could just quickly introduce yourself and explain to the listeners a bit about your background and how you got into CS. Sure. Um, thank you. And great to be on that podcast as well. Um, it's a bit of background. My name is uh, Violaine, obviously. Um, I work at Box. I lead the, I look after the customer success management team here in Yemie. So everything that is high touch and low touch as well. Um, I also am the co-founder of a community called Custom Success Network, um, created by Kate for Journey, and uh, we're proud to have 3,000 members over there, where we try to elevate the profession in the CS industry, which is a great goal, right? Um, I've been into customer success a bit by default, um, started my career at Accenture as a um, basic analyst, I would say, um, and I started as a product manager, so nothing in a way to do with custom success at the point. And as it was more than 10 years ago, I guess custom success was still a very early stage mm -hmm. function. So um, I actually started to run operations, which encompassed everything around troubleshooting, incident management, content management, and service introduction, which were the basis of what we now are calling customer success. Um, and what at Accenture at the time was not yet very, very developed, I tried to go into that new era of customer success and, and really started looking into that and it became a real passion, obviously, starting that community, etc. So something that I really like because it's at the heart of everything within the company. You can work with product, you can work with marketing, with sales, with everything, you never get bored. And I think that's what I love about it Fantastic. as well. Brilliant. Well, firstly, just congratulations as well with all of the success um, that both kind of yourself, Kate, and everyone else has had with the, the Customer Success Network. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that I came across um, a couple of years ago, and just in terms of the community that, that's been built around that, it's, it's something that I think is really great and just uh, is a credit to customer success in general. Um, I think we always find this, you tend to find with CSMs generally, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about the nature. That Our job as well is, is helpful, isn't it? I think we care about others as well. We care yeah. about the customers, but we care about others. And it's easy for us to share mm -hmm. what we're doing and our best practices. So I think this is why that community is working well, because we just crave to get other people's ideas and experience. So it's, it's I think, yeah. what is the, yeah, the recipe for success for that community as well. And I guess just thinking about, so in terms of like kind of evolution into, into customer success, would you say it's something that you fell into? I guess just with the changing of that role, as you kind of said, and how that evolved into what we now know as customer success. But also, what I guess, what was it about it that kind of kept you in that role and has kind of sparked that passion in you? For yeah, as I said, I think it's it's really a profession where you work with all of the other functions within the company, so you have to understand how marketing works, how they do their digital campaigns, their events, how you can follow up on that. You understand how sales is generating pipeline because as CSM, you're also the ones providing some qualified leads, right, through identifying use cases. So it's everything all together where you have a better sense and a better business acumen on how a company works. And you can have an impact as well because by partnering better with those functions, then you can personally just grow as a professional, but also just make sure you drive growth within the business. So that's, yeah, yeah that matters to me. 
And I guess with regards to your current role, um, so firstly, a fantastic company that, that you get to work for and um, again, a great leadership role that you're in. What does customer success look like at Box currently? How is it set up? I look after the CSM team in EMEA, right? The structure, the way the CS team is structured in EMEA reflects the one in the US anyway. So CS is not just about CSM, it's also about professional services, it's about product support, it's about renewals, right? Renewals actually is now going to report back to sales. And there's been like some back and forth between that. And I think many SaaS companies as well are seeing renewals be a part of customer success mm. or part even of the CSM job and role, which again might depend on the maturity of the company or the complexity of the, of the mm. product, right? Um, so the same structure exists in the US, of course. And for the CSM in particular, there's everything around so the high touch, all of these strategic and enterprise type of customers when you have a one-to-one -one relationship and you have everything low touch and one-to-many and the basic type of engagement you're doing. Um, however, I think at Box, it's pretty much advanced in terms of the way we engage with those customers. We're using Gainsight as a CS platform, and while it can be a very complex tool, mm -hmm. if you manage to get a few playbooks and call to action that are very easily implemented, then you can have a fantastic return on investment by just having a few like playbooks on the onboarding uh, period, uh, on like after a six months check, etc. You can really drive business and drive expansion on that segment of customers, and as a result, as well, you can really improve the life of the CSM mm -hmm. because they have lots of automations, a lot of data triggered events as well, which yeah makes life way easier. And how is the team um, structured to sort of work in that sense? Do you have CSMs that are like their portfolio is just made up of those lower touch um, segments and then obviously ones that yeah, are more exactly. enterprise? Yes, exactly. So enterprise and strategic, we tend to have 10 to 25 accounts per person. And then when we look at low touch, it's more around the 800 range of, of accounts. So it's big portfolios, but again, through automations, you can manage that as well. And one thing you need to take into consideration as well is the willingness of the customers to engage, right? Mm -hmm. You know that in that population, also in enterprise, right? Um, you have you don't have 100% of customers who are going to go back to you and be happy to have a phone call or a meeting, right? So that has to be taken into consideration. Sure, makes sense. And um, in terms of the low-touch strategy, yeah. do you find that one of the challenges is still making that like a personalized experience for each individual customer? Is that, I guess, like the main focus of that team, being able to do it at scale but still making it personalized? Yeah, that, that's the main focus. And it's, um, it's funny because I talked to customer marketing yesterday and one of the, um, the concerns we have, and as an, any other SaaS company, I guess, is because we want to engage with our customers at any cost, then we might use some templates and do some bespoke communication, which might have an impact on the consistency of the messaging we want to deliver to our customers, right? Even if it's good intent behind, sometimes we might miss the overall company messaging. So I think there's a big play uh, here between customer marketing, between CSM, between OBR, between sales, to make sure we have the library of content we can reuse and tailor based on the industry, based on the segment of the customer, etc so that we don't have to just customize everything with just some pieces of it. But it has to be tailored, yes. Sure, that makes sense. And does that then feed into things like the onboarding as well? I guess that's quite a big yes. part of being able to onboard and scale. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So yes. it's just a repeatable content. It is. That yeah. makes sense. Repeatable content, on-demand content, of course. And I think as well, there's a skill that CSM have to develop at some point and something the OBR, uh, the outbound rep, 
um, I've also worked on it. How can you frame an email that has a great hook for the customer to come back to you, right? Um, and so writing emails and teaching something within your email is, a, I think, a good skill and an important skill for CSM to, to learn. So I'll add that actually. It was something that came up with uh, Raf um, on one of the episodes that we did, and he said that he always gets CSMs when they write an email, essentially, like, how can you shorten that? Mm-hmm. So, and it kind of goes back to what you said there, like, if you think about, like, grabbing people's attention, mm-hmm. this is probably where you need that marketer's hat, just to make it as concise and as quick mm-hmm. to digest as possible. Yeah. Definitely falls into trap sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Write, like, a really long email, I'm, like, cutting bits out, I'm, like, over there. <laughs> yeah, and what's in there for them, right? Exactly. Why would they care in opening that email? Yeah, and I think that, that still, although we've just said that that kind of applies to the sort of scale, um, segment, I guess elements of that still apply to the enterprise, right? Because if you have the template almost as a baseline that you're mm-hmm. working from, and then you start to personalize yeah. it based on the challenges of that client, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. And if you add on top of that the complexity of the languages, mm-hmm. then you end up with a huge library of content, right? Because you have Spanish customers, Italian customers, French customers, whatever market you want to expand to, you need to have a few templates that are also translated, right? Yeah. So that you can really touch a bigger base. I guess with, um, so perhaps maybe like more startups or scale-ups where there probably is more free reign for CSMs to have like different ways of how they engage and mm-hmm. it's really that there's less consistency with the messaging. Would you advise CSMs or leaders in those types of businesses to start with the foundations and have set templates, really set the foundations so that you get that consistency as you yes. grow and then you can roll that out across? That's, yes. Honestly, and I think, uh, honestly, everyone forgets about it from the beginning. While if you start creating those templates from the very start, it's such a gain of time as well and such a gain in terms of consistency of messaging. So it's just a win-win. I guess that's quite similar to, um, I know you mentioned that you use tools like Gainsight, for example, but would that almost be what you'd recommend before people even consider it, using those tools to have those playbooks? Oh, in, yeah, in yeah, sure. First? Yeah, I think... Having a CS platform makes sense to a certain extent. You need to have a critical size to go that path. You can already do lots of things using like spreadsheets or yeah. whatever, automations or macros, whatever. You can already do something. The playbooks and processes, you can define them before having the tool, right? Now, it's about assessing the requirements you need for a, a platform, whatever it's a CRM that you're going to transform into a CS or a CS platform or just a standalone CS platform. But it's on you to decide. But the templates, the playbooks, the processes can be defined from the start. And if you do it from the very start, it's so much more powerful as well. And um, I guess with probably from mine and Alex's background, we've probably been in a mix of like high touch, say even medium touch with mm-hmm. other clients and the products that works for us. So for a company like Box, where you do have that low touch aspect, as you kind of mentioned, and you know, so we have thousands of customers or 800 customers mm-hmm. that CSM needs to uh, work across. Is there quite a big difference between the role and skills and qualities that CSM needs to have in more of like the medium high touch role as opposed to kind of that low touch role where you are working across like 800 accounts? Um, I would say to me the um, the skills for let's say a low touch CSM and a high touch CSM should be the same. The foundational skills should be the same. Now it's a level of expertise and how you can grow in the role, right? So 
either you have to prepare for a business review or for a call with a customer, the preparation is going to be the same. You have to do the research, you have to do the discovery, understand the industry, understand the use cases, discover the people you're going to talk to. That has to be done for any interaction you're going to have with your customers, right? So I'm not expecting something different from a low-touch CSM and a high-touch CSM. Of course, the the amount of time you're going to spend doing that might vary, mm-hmm. of course, and given your seniority, same, but the foundational skills should be the same. But, it, but it's funny as well, because I think going into that path, most of the, um, so we, we call that those low-touch CSM as scaled CSM. Um, and we've created a different career path for scaled CSM and named CSM, but it's funny how scaled CSM are, always see themselves as going into the named path. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because it's more of a glory around it, almost mm-hmm. prestigious, um, but it's because I think it's not yet defined that career path into being a bit more programmatic, defining the programs, you know, and having customers at scale. I think there's still something here to, to define. Yeah, I know I Slack has a lot on that area, Slido as well, mm-hmm. but I think we're not there yet in that area. So, But yeah, that was actually to my point, because like you say, some people sometimes perhaps maybe see that as their next step going into yeah. maybe more higher touch, when really there is a definite progression route just working across those yeah. low touch, because, and it's probably not necessarily more marketing related, but there's definitely skills and policies there that you need. And if I was to move into that role tomorrow, having not had that experience of working across so many accounts, yeah. there would definitely be gaps in my knowledge there. Yeah, time management, prioritization, yeah. those are skills as well that are super important for enterprise CSM, but like for scale CSM, it's vital. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just overwhelmed by tasks, right? So imagine you have to say no a lot as well. It's like, because it's something we've been talking a lot about, um, and this is going into like perhaps maybe like building segmented teams, but the over service of, of some clients. Mm. So typically, when you do just have a portfolio of accounts and one perhaps maybe would be enterprise, one may not, mm-hmm. and you deliver the same level of service across those two accounts, like just being able to evaluate like what am I actually doing on each of these and mm-hmm. how should I prioritise my time yep. sort of feeds into that. And I guess on that on that subject, when you are segmenting accounts, so I think you mentioned it earlier in terms of like the value, mm-hmm. is there any other areas that you look for, whether that's growth potential or is it just based on value? Yeah, so the, um, the segmentation as it is today is very basic and yes, it's about the value of the account, the size yeah. of the account. Um, now, of course, I think for some accounts where they are in a lower segment, we understand the growth or the potential in there and we try to work with sales how we can better partner and support them on that account. So the CSM would not be leading the conversations and the strategy on the account, but they would really be available for the sales if there's anything around champions outreach, um, working together around the research about the accounts, um, engaging with more stakeholders together, that type of things. Right. And, and with matching sales and customer success, mm-hmm. how are they paired together? Is it that they both work across a similar portfolio? Or is it that certain accounts, like maybe the enterprise accounts within the CSM's portfolio, are then matched across multiple account managers like salespeople? So I remember when I joined, we had CSMs having to deal with 10 different A's, Mm. uh, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, uh, it's different profiles, characters, tempers, etc. So you have to adapt 
<laughs> along the way, plus having syncs with the AEs, it means you have 10 different uh, synchronization points, right? Um, so we had to review a bit that and make sure that they couldn't be up to like four or more than four to five A's for one CSM. We try to respect those ratios, even if sometimes it's difficult because of the turnover, whatever. Of course, it's how a business is living, right? Um, we try to align as well from an um, industry perspective. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, healthcare or conserve or transportation are areas where we know we have A's with a, a strong expertise. So we try to keep the same portfolios as well. Regions could be one, of course. Um, I have CSM um, living in uh, in other countries, so France, uh, Amsterdam, etc. And of course, they are connected to the AEs that are working in the region. So it's easier to that to that uh, to that extent. Yeah, one of the um, it it did come up on another episode in terms of when you have uh, like CSM structured by territory or by region or something like that. Potentially, the challenge is that they become siloed in their own specific region. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that having uh, like the CS and the AE or whoever it is um, from the sales side of things both in the same region does that help to prevent that, or do you think that um, actually makes things more challenging from that perspective? So, I have both scenarios. So, having the AE and the CSM in the same office, so in Paris, for example, mm -hmm. or CSM in the region and the AE um, in that London office, I would say. I can't really see the difference per se. I think um, we've been through that remote type of relationship and now people know who to ask uh, for a specific advice or support, etc. So I think the relationship to that extent are very are much better. Um, also, I think on the CSM team right now, there's um, strong cohes cohesion as well uh, for them to support people in the other offices. So I think it helps. So we have that, what we call the go-to-market motion, where we have sales and marketing and, and CSM all working together. And I think because at the leadership level, we try to infuse that, hopefully on the ground and on the field, people are also replicating that, that behavior. So getting there, and I think, yes, of course, sitting next to each other helps, for sure. Mm -hmm. But London to Paris or London to Amsterdam, it, it's working well as well. Yeah, and I guess it comes down to the foundations that you were mentioning before, right? If you start from, if everyone starts from the same foundations, yeah. that will filter yeah. across the, the yeah. whole region. Exactly. That makes sense. Perfect. Um, so, in terms of building and structuring teams, and one of the things that we um, kind of touched on is um, measuring how uh, teams are performing. And we kind of touched on it, I think you mentioned uh, doing things like EBRs or like, um, reviews with clients. Um, is there a difference in terms of how the teams are measured based on whether they're in the scale um, side of the portfolio or an enterprise? Or again, does that um, do you still have like a, a sort of foundation across the board? Yeah, so compensation-wise, uh, we have the same, so not the same targets per se, but the same criteria mm -hmm. um, for the plan. So it's basically retention and health. We are the... Um, let's say, the, the, the messengers, the drivers for health, so that as an outcome we have growth in the end, right? Um, so if you see scaled or named, you're yep. following the same plan, right? Now in terms of activities, which is a bit different, it's how you, you, you measure the day-to-day -day performance in a way. Um, if a named CSM has yes, strategic business reviews, for example, a scaled CSM would have what we call consultations, so calls with customers. or And we also call them business reviews in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. you're going through the product usage, you're going through the use cases, you're going through the business objectives and the outcomes. So basically, it's the same as a, as a business review, right? So you 
the number of interactions, um, the, the quality of the in-depth of the interactions, uh, the number of activities differ from a group to another. But again, I expect, in a way, similar behaviors um, for both groups as well. Sure, that makes sense. I guess the, the outcome is still essentially the same. It's still the renewal, the expansion, exactly. and the upsell opportunities. It's just different ways of, yeah. of getting there. So expansion and upsell, anyway, um, and not part of their composition plan. They're here to identify future use cases because of their engagement with the line of businesses at the customer. And they're supposed to then pass it on to the sales for them to qualify in there. Yeah. Close the deal. So I guess with regards to the kind of interactions that CSM has, mm -hmm. do you have a set number or RCSM set with like a target? So you have to have X number of interactions with clients. Is there, like how did that measure come about I guess like yeah that. so we try to have this so for like the top top tier of customers we expect them to have that amount of business reviews a year etc but given the amount of work that has to be done as well pre pre meeting but in the end it all goes back to the willingness of engagement right from the customer if you talk to a customer and he's, he's very engaged there's um, lots of engagement with the LOBs as well and he only wants or she actually only wants um, a business review once a year. Fine, because at any other point in time, you can have check-ins with someone else in the business. You can go on the on the field and talk to end users. You know, so it's different engagements as well. I think just focusing on the business reviews is not the only solution. I would say, but we try to get expectations because I think people in the teams want to understand what goal they can achieve. So it's always reassuring as well to have those that framework in a way, right, or that structure. Yeah, and I guess is that just kind of um, forecasted based on the number of accounts that they're managing, yeah, essentially. Exactly. And then just looking yeah, yeah. at general activity yeah. across that. So mm. it's probably something that we've definitely spoke to a lot of people about the willingness of the customers yeah. to engage. Yeah. Um, because you can sometimes have like really established relationships already mm. in place, if, especially if they're legacy clients. And regardless of value, if you just have maybe one CSM on that account because it's a million pound account, it doesn't mm -hmm. always make that yeah. much sense if there's not the work there to be done because there's there's nothing to do based on the client not wanting mm -hmm. to engage or not needing to. So uh, yeah. yeah, and it goes back to tailoring the emails you might send mm -hmm. out as well or the phone calls you might have with them. What exactly are you gonna tell them? What hook are you gonna use? What are you gonna teach them? And this is something that I. Really enjoyed reading as well the challenger, you know, that methodology around teaching, tearing, and taking control. Mm. I think those principles are actually very interesting for teams because it's so teaching is about everything you need to know about your customers, the research on the industry, on the company, on the people you're going to talk to. You have to tear it based on what you've discovered and how you're going to actually let them know about something they haven't even imagined yet. And then you're taking control, you're keeping the momentum with that account, with those people, and you're driving to either a closing use case or, or proving an ROI on something, you know, something where you're not just taking control of your own agenda, but on the customer agenda as much as possible. So to me, those principles are very relevant to our profession as well, even if it's supposed to be just a sales methodology, but it makes sense to me. That's something, again, that's come up. Is it the challenger sale? Yeah, challenger yeah, sale. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a good recommendation for 
copy yeah. of it, which is great. I'll definitely need to. You get should read, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's possible. an exact summary somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I can share. Yeah, I think um, I was going to say as well. I saw something the other day, um, kind of related, but more on uh, like the onboarding side of things. So, I think sometimes people um, make the mistake of thinking that onboarding, the process of onboarding, is to teach the user or the client to be better at using your platform. Mm -hmm. But it's not really, that's not the point of onboarding. It's to teach them to be better at whatever that platform is solving. Yep. So I think they used Slack as the example. So mm -hmm. um, onboarding someone to use Slack is teaching them to be better at internal communication. Mm -hmm. It's not teaching them to be better at using Slack. Yep. And I think people maybe, um, one of the challenges people maybe have with onboarding is designing yep. it in a way that's structured, um, kind of the opposite of what you just mm -hmm. said, really. It's not focusing on the client or the customer and their sort of end goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, having the customer lens, but it's still very difficult, right? And mm -hmm. I think it's not just for the onboarding, it's also for the rest of the journey, adoption, etc. Where even if you've been in as a, in a contract with a customer for multiple years, then what has changed in their business, their pain points have changed, their priorities have changed. So the, the use of the solution has changed as well. How can you just make that evolve altogether? So it's also about reinventing the way you talk to the customer again and again yeah and i like um how you explained it before in terms of like the, the csms aren't directly focused on um upsell and expansion but they're focused on creating and developing new use cases that will drive that expansion and that kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said in terms of if you do have a, a long-term client they're not always going to have the same use case mm -hmm. as their business develops like you yep. say their use of the solution mm -hmm. should develop as well yeah i think as well most of the time we say csm are about churn right mm -hmm. but if you and it's not that interesting in a way. I mean, yes, it's part of the job and it's risk management. There are skills around it. But talking to people at the customer about their daily job, understand how your solution can help solve those pain points, that's what's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And I guess with that, with that aspect, because there's a lot of companies out there that have introduced customer success but really don't know what the purpose of it is mm -hmm. because... It's almost become a buzzword in, in some aspects where it's like, right, we need a customer success team. Mm -hmm. Like you say, perhaps maybe just to reduce the churn, which is the first thing that comes to mind for most people. But a lot of the time, it is just about that general engagement mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis, understanding how they use it, understanding what we can help and support. Yeah. What would be your advice to any companies out there or any CSM team specifically that really kind of needs a shout about their value like what is the best way to approach that to showcase that this is where we fit into this company and this is the value that we bring to the table so yeah there's I think there's two elements in there I think yes customer success um, is a function but I think what makes customer success that successful is that you have all of the teams working in the same direction it sounds a bit silly or naive to say that, but if you have everyone rowing in the same, I don't know how to pronounce that name, rowing in the same direction, then it's how you can show the value back to the customer, right? So that's to me the most critical piece. And for a um, startup or an early stage company, this is where you can be much more powerful from the beginning, creating that momentum as a team to drive value back to the customer. How as a team can you define? Can you understand the vision of the customer, the strategy as an accounts team, and then drive from that? Now, as a CSM, like a pure CSM role, then it's about being part of that account team, driving the use cases identification. It's about 
understanding the strategy on the account, doing the research, and really understand how you can teach the customer something new. Great. And then in terms of what you then track internally from that, mm. would you count things like so how many use cases or perhaps maybe testimonials or case studies have we been able to get from yeah, clients yeah. and those types of things? Exactly. Do? So the high value use cases, the future ones, and then in terms of pipeline creation, I'm trying mm. to now put the link between both. Uh, not there yet, but getting there. In terms of customer references, um, so same marketing is handling that right now, but we're working hand in hand with them. So it's also... And again, when we talk about customer references, usually it's more around um, like a big video or something, but it can be just a quote or it can be just a very simple short description of their use case, right? So there are various elements to have those customer stories embedded into what CSM is about. So. Do you have any um, internal metrics that the team is measured on outside of that? So like any financial ones as well? Because I know sometimes the, the challenge is people maybe expect... Um, a CS function to have almost like an instantaneous impact, mm -hmm. but as we all know, it's it's more of a long term, um, sort of strategic relationship building mm -hmm. um, role. So it can take you know twelve, eighteen months minimum for for um, CS to start having an impact. Um, so do you have any of those targets um, from leadership in terms of I know things like ARR, uh, MRR. Anything like that? No, we're really much uh, retention focused at the moment. So it's very much about retaining our customers and making sure we're changing the health of the customer base from whatever color they are into a very green uh, customer base. So that's really where we want to go. Um, <clears throat> and something um, we want to actually uh, launch very powerfully as well in the next quarter or so is the new version of what we call the joint success plans, customer success plan, mutual mm -hmm. success plan, whatever you call it where um, we would work with the customer, we would collaborate on the same type of true solution, whatever, to drive the momentum and drive the outcomes with them. And that's, I think, where you can also change that health and that behavior with them, and then, yes, you'll see results. So I think 12 to 18 months might be a long time to get results. I think you can see results way before. Um, of course, uh, the, like excluding the onboarding period, because sure. I think... It's it's different scenario, but I think it can take less than that. You need to think in um, chunks of time as well, where on over a quarter, if you can deploy a use case that has a very strong ROI for a given department at a customer, it's a win, right? So it's where you can make a difference and an impact as a CSM. As quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what I've I mean what I've loved about this firstly, just to say, is I think with Box, it seems like it's seamless in terms of you've got the right playbooks there, you've got the right foundations, which is amazing. So it's really great to see it like, because I, I think from a lot of these, we've, we've spoke about CS, but then there are still gaps in, in certain areas. I think what I love about Box is mm -hmm. that it seems like there's a great synergy between departments um, across markets. And in terms of perhaps maybe some of our listeners that are in those maybe scale-up startups where they're trying to get to what Box have achieved with customer success. And they've got so many priorities, they've got limited resource. Where should they start firstly? So what should they prioritize? Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of like think about that, I guess from Box's perspective, currently what couldn't you live without at the moment yeah. in terms of what you have across the Yeah, first, don't get me wrong, but we're not there yet. I think there's still many, <laughs> many gaps to fill in. 
I think there's still relationships to manage between functions and departments. There's still processes that need to be revamped. I think when you reach such a size of a company, processes tend to be also overcomplicated and everything has to be solved through a process where you can be much simpler. Yeah. So that's also like the other lens. While when you're um, a startup or a smaller company, then you can also just do something super quickly. In a week, you, you've launched a new playbook or a new whatever document for the entire company. So that's the thing. That's to, one of the challenges. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it really depends on the maturity of the company and if customer success is at the heart of, or customer centricity is at the heart of the startup mindset, you know. If it's the case, then there's um, you need to have metrics. Already, you need to be able to track and report on metrics like net retention, gross retention, logo retention, um, upsell, NPS slash CSAT, that type of thing. That's just critical metrics. If you don't have that, you can't align teams, you can't align around the growth of the company, so you're missing a point, right? Um, I would say then um, everything around some sort of a health scoring, uh, whether it's simple or not, where you can just assess the base, understand where you have risks of flags for the teams to work on that, or on the other side, accounts where you can expand, then this is also quick wins you can demonstrate from the beginning. Yeah, that's right? a good point, actually. So just like correct segmentation of accounts. In a way, yes. Understand the risk. Understand the yeah, and even if you have 10 to 15 then. accounts, right, just just start with the basics because along the way and as you scale, then you can, you can refer to that health score from the beginning and then you can change the criteria, but that you'll have the mindset to think about a health score with your customers. Yeah, that's really good advice, I think. Yeah. And then it kind of then almost prevents a number of things that can create issues further down the line. So as I mentioned, like over-servicing accounts, mm -hmm. that's a result of not having correct segmentation and then perhaps maybe not having the correct playbooks in place. Where we say, how are we going to treat this type of customer mm -hmm. versus this type of customer? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same with the health score as well. I think if you start from a place where you, just, you don't have sort of a baseline health score, it's mm -hmm. harder to implement one further down the exactly. line mm -hmm. because you, you don't know what metrics you've been, like you have nothing you've tracked previously, so there's yeah. no that comparison. Yeah, and I think as well, back to what we discussed about the outcomes and the value as well you want to demonstrate to the customer. If you can sit down with product, marketing, sales, well, if you have those functions in the startup, right? Mm -hmm. But sit down, understand the customer profiles you have, um, the most common use cases they might have, the most common pain points they might have, and what type of outcomes you're delivering with your solution. If you manage to have it right from the beginning, you can also have that embedded into the product. So it's going to save lots of time as well afterwards. Yeah, I was going to ask as well on, on the point of outcomes, and you mentioned success points as well. I think um, a lot of the time, and from some of these interviews that we've done, people treat success plans as like an enterprise-only mm -hmm. type thing. Um, is that something that you also do for the scale, or yes, is it do. just in a different format? Different format, of course, because we, you can't have like multiple slides or versions mm -hmm. or whatever for, for a joint success plan. But you can have something as a, a notes where both of like the customer and the CSM are collaborating on, and it can be very simple. Just three key priorities for the next six months, and let, let's do it, right? It's, it's just about keeping the momentum mm -hmm. with the customer and making sure after that amount of time, you've reached something together. Yeah, I like that idea, okay. and it, it does go back to what you were saying before around keeping it um, a, a simple process rather than complicating it. And yeah. a success plan, in essence, is just, like you say, it's a use case that adds value. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be any more complicated yeah. than that. I think that's what as well we're looking for profiles now in the CSM world with project management skills or consulting skills. Yeah, that's something that's again with like a 
hot topic in it terms is. of um, yeah, especially the consultancy backgrounds. Exactly. Yeah, and I come from Accenture, so obviously consulting is a part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, but then if you if you need to drive a plan or an action plan with a customer, you need to understand the start, the end, the risk management, the dependencies, the assumptions, how to chase, you know, like all of those things that are part of project management. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a big trend. Just it's on that, actually, so how would you, say if you haven't got a background in consultancy, how could you go about building those, building those skills, do you think, is they just, uh, I mean, I know you mentioned them there, really, so that's why I'm probably more aspects but yeah any advice perhaps maybe someone listening thinking actually like where do I start there's, there's lots of stuff there's um, of course coaching from people in your company that are good at that mm -hmm. of course so hopefully your manager or whoever else in the company um, it's about enablement as well so as what what's what's great I think is to also define all the capabilities of um, of a CSM. So project management can be split into different capabilities, right? As I said, um, risk management or issue issue log, um, stakeholder engagement. You know, you can have a few things there, and for each of them, you define some sort of uh, training around that, right? So either it's self learning, either it's uh, through I don't know general assemblies doing lots of courses, you know, um, going through the community as well. You can really um, connect that to real capabilities and see how you can progress on those ones, right? There are tons of things on project management, however, so don't go into Prince 2 or whatever things that might be too complicated from the beginning. Just take it simple and look at the capabilities within project management that you can nail. That's it. That's great, great advice. So something that we've um, been talking about, uh, I guess as kind of a, a final round of the episode, is around trend and advice. So I guess having been in CS for, for a while and especially as obviously being at the forefront of the customer success network, mm -hmm. what are the biggest trends that you see currently emerging within the customer success space? Plenty. Um, I think one I'm very curious about is the product-led growth. So how um, you can embed all of that sophistication and expansion journeys within the product. Um, same, I, I don't know so many SaaS companies at the moment, I'm sure there, there are plenty on the market but uh, that are doing that perfectly well. So I think that's where we can be more efficient as a CS function as well, leveraging the product even more. Um, because also our customers, they want to be self-served, right? So product has to be able to, uh, to meet that need. So product-led growth is one. Um, I think it's funny as well, renewals is taking a bigger place as well. I think looking at the market now when you want to hire a CSM or a CS um, practitioner you also want a renewal experience that's interest interesting usually renewals are part of the sales function so what does it mean um, there's also something around as I said at the beginning customer marketing right because we're gonna go through that low touch type of things and scaling activities how can we be better at doing those hooks and those campaigns and those messaging across the board and you need to have those skills as well right so just to name a few no, that's, I mean that's something that I've even mm. found myself mm -hmm. having to learn over the last couple of years with the use of like intercom type tools yeah. where you know you've got to get their attention as soon as possible when they're in the platform or if you want to engage a lot of inactive yeah. users like how do I approach that and whilst jumping on a call was great you need the willingness of the client to yeah. do that so 
if, if the willingness doesn't exist, you need to create that yeah. through marketing. Exactly. So, yeah. I think that's the self-service that you mentioned, isn't it? I think that's the trend in terms of um, as people, um, people's learning styles are changing and they constantly will do and self-service is definitely, I, I, it's always existed obviously, but I think there is a trend towards people and it's the same with, we already touched on like, on-demand content as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Even from a, um, a B2C perspective, that's obviously a huge thing mm -hmm. now. So it definitely will. Yeah. become more of a trend in, in B2B yeah. as well. But the personal connections is still going to stay. Yeah. So how can you make sure you're still having these personal interactions while still scaling? That's going to be a big, big challenge. That's really great. Um, and then just lastly, with regards, and we've touched on this throughout, so uh, we've got lots, lots of great insights here to take away, but with regards to like trends and, and, and advice, for either a CSM or for perhaps maybe a CSM looking to move into a leadership role, what would be your key advice to to join the function? Yeah, to... so yeah, probably to start with actually for just somebody that wants to get into CS, what would be your biggest advice? Honestly, meet meet other CS practitioners, understand what they like and love about the job, um, and and try it out. Again, it's a profession where. You can learn many, many things as long as you're enthusiastic and you have some foundational skills, you can do it. It's not rocket science again. So, like, let's face it, right? It's about customer relationships, it's about uh, yeah, driving the momentum, doing project management. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, no, I think no. many people can do it and can mm -hmm. learn. Yeah, so, you need to be eager to, to, to yeah. learn. And I'd probably even just say to like add to that, it's just assessing yourself as well in terms of how you've got the right values, because we touched on it at the, right at the start. Um, CSMs generally are like just helpful in terms of their nature. Mm -hmm. So, if if you're helpful naturally, then it makes the job so much easier because a lot of what you need to do is about being helpful. Yeah. Uh, sure, but you then don't have that sometimes. Yeah, but being too helpful might be as well uh, an inconvenient, right? Yeah, because then <laughs> you know yeah. you, you need to also be able to have tough conversations. Mm -hmm not just easier ones with your customers, otherwise you're gonna be just overwhelmed and not detached from what's happening with your customers. That's also something that I can see in the CS world where people who care too much can also be overwhelmed by emotions or in the relationship with customers, so I mean, it has to be. He said it actually, but someone was like, don't make the mistake of just because your customers like you, they're gonna renew yeah. because... Yes. Yeah, I think that is a mistake that a lot of people yeah. make. And it comes to me and it's like, oh my God, but you know, like we went for lunch and... Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, and they churn. <laughs> and then, yeah, they yeah. churn. And uh, I think that's, yeah. I never expect recognition either. That's good. And then just the last one on that. So perhaps maybe somebody moving into like a CS leadership role, wanting to build the right skills and, and gather the right experience. What would be your advice? Same, I would say networking is really, really key. So, of course, with the community, we um, help people just connect the dots and make sure they can meet, the, in a way, the right people. We've developed as well a mentoring program where you can really find someone who's developed such a practice and where you can learn some leadership skills in the, in the CS industry. So there's some things outside where you can definitely develop those, those skills. Networking and mentoring are the first ones to know. Amazing. Yeah. That's great. Well, um, thank you so much for your time, firstly, for um, joining the episode. Like, I thought that was fantastic. Like, there's literally got like two pages of notes of things. <laughs> thank you, guys. And, uh, yeah, hope to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Cheers.